Hey, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kuf Hay. And we're going to go from Kuf Dalet Amud Beis 104b. I think let's go from it's approximately the 20th last line. Omar um, Nachman. Rav Nachman says, Lo Rav Nachman says, it's the previous point is not difficult. It's not a contradiction. The one case is where the father admitted to stealing. And the other case is where the father did not admit. So that's where I'd like to go from. Let's just get back into the Gomorrah. So the Gomorrah asks, this Chomesh that a person has to pay, is it considered mamon or just kapora? And obviously there are various uh, halachic ramifications if it's mamon or kapora. But the one is, the simple one is, can the guy sue you for it? Um, but le- another one is would be would heirs. This is going to be relevant to. This is where we're jumping in. Are heirs have to pay it if it's an atonement? Well, you don't have to pay for your father's atonement. That's too late. He's being he's niftar. But if it's uh, mammon, then it's a debt, and you would pay it pay it for your father from his estate. So we brought from our Mishnah that a chaimesh can become a chaimesh. Therefore, uh, sorry, a chaimesh can become the keren that you pay a chaimesh on. Uh, let's say, as we said, the case is a person stole uh, or was keeping for someone 100 rand, and then the person said, can you return it? And he said, sorry, it's gone, or you never gave it to me, whatever, and he took a shua. And then he admits to taking a false shua, so he has to pay 125. What happens if he pays the 100, and then on the choymish, the 25, he says, you know what, I, I take a shua, I don't have it, or, or I never, I've already paid it, whatever his shua is. That, that 25 becomes the choymish, and then if he admits that he's that he lied, took a false shua, he'd have to pay. So we see that it is mammon. Because you pay a chomesh on a chomesh, it must be, if you're taking a shua, it must be that you don't owe the money, or that you don't have to return the money. If it's a kapara, then that wouldn't apply. So that's a proof from our Mishnah. Then we brought a second proof from Yorshim. We brought a price that says that Yorshim have to pay the chomesh of their father. Which would imply that it's a monetary debt. Because, again, like a korban, you don't offer a korban for your father. He's niftar, it's too, it's for kapara, it's too late, but if it's a debt. Then we challenge that. We brought a proof that um, orphans don't seem to pay the chomesh. So that's where we're jumping in now. Rav Nachman comes along and says, no, there's two brises, the one, or the two mish, the one which says that the orphans do pay the chomesh, and the one where that says it doesn't, it depends on whether the father admitted or not. If the father admitted that he owed it, well, then it becomes a debt, and the orphans would have to pay it. If the father did not admit, then they wouldn't have to pay it. Um, thank you. Okay, so that's how Rav Nachman answers it. Now we're going to just challenge this. If the case where the, fa- where the sons don't have to pay the father's homage is where the father never ever admitted to taking the false shua, says, Keren nami then the sons shouldn't have to pay the Keren. There's no proof that their father owed the money or anything. So why should they have to pay Keren? So maybe you'll say, yeah, you're right. They don't have to pay the Chomesh and they also don't have to pay the Keren. No one's admitted to the father owing this money. says, But the fact that the Bryce is searching after a Chomesh, focusing on a Drosha, how do we know about a Chomesh? Clearly the Keren is different and they would pay yeah, but the fact that the Torah it's looking for an exemption for the Chomesh, the neighbor the Karen Mashanim, it must be you that he does pay the Karen. And further, that Brahza teaches, I might have said, when, does, when do they pay Karen? Al Gazel Aviv for his father's theft. Sorry, when does someone pay Karen for their father's theft? When they and their father take a shvur denying it. So, so that's, the, that's what you might have said. The only time a person would have to pay for their father's theft is where they took a shvur, where their father took a shvur denying owing it, and they took a shvur denying it. How do I know the other cases of Aviv Aviv, if his father took a shvur but he didn't, or he took a shvur and his father didn't? Neither he nor his father took this debt. Minayin. So where would I know this from? Talmud Lomar Gazela Vaishek Aveda Upi Kodon Yesh Talmud. No. The Torah says Gazela Oishek Aveda and Pikodon, and therefore we can learn it from there. 
Now, we're going to have to understand this. We have to understand this last point of Yesh Talmud that is learning. So we're just going to go a bit further in the Gemara. But Yosef Rafuna Vakamar Lahosh Meister Rafuna was giving over this again. Omale Rabbi Bray. Rabbi's son said to him, Yesh Talmud Kamamar or Yesh Talmud Kamamar. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, my father, my teacher. I didn't hear you correctly. Did you say Yesh Talmud? I would try. She means there's a drasha. Or were you saying Yesh Talmud? You can hear if you're listening, they're very similar. Yesh Talmud, Yesh Talmud. Which, what did you say, Dad? Or were you saying it's logic? So, Yesh Talmud Kamamar, Oi, Yesh Talmud Kamamar. So, Amalei Yesh Talmud Kaamina. I was saying there's a drosha. You can learn it out from the Psukim. Umi Ribuya de Omri. And it's from the many, the, the, what's it, the repetitive language of the Pasuk. Okay, but what do we see here? That. A son, that a son does pay Karen for his father. But if, again, no one admitted the father, again, they said to the father, you owe this money, or you stole this money, and he took a shvur that he never paid, that he doesn't owe it. And now the son's, now he's died without taking a shvur, and the son's, we're coming to the son's and saying they must pay it, why should they pay? The, not, okay, the Chaim is fine. We're not discussing the Chaim. But the Karen, why should they have to pay the Karen? No one's proved that their father had to pay it. And what, you're going to tell them that they have to pay it? Can't be. So, so what does it mean that they didn't admit? No, the cases where the father did not admit, but the sons do admit. So the son's, ob, son's admission obligates him in his father's um, in, his, in the Karen for what his father stole. Of the Benishai Ben Chomesh today. Well, then why isn't the son liable to a Chomesh for his shvur? Again, a person comes to them and says, You know, your father owed me money. They say, We take a shvur, he did not. And then the son admits, Oh, you know, I was lying. Our father did. Why doesn't the son pay a Chomesh on? His. Granted, he has to pay Karen because he's admitted, but we said he doesn't have to pay Chomesh. Why not? So Omri B'Sha'ing Zayla Kayemis. It's where the Gazela is not existent anymore. Either the money was spent, or if it was an item, it was consumed or lost, or something like that. Now remember, you only have to pay for your, pay for your father's theft from his estate. So if it's no longer existent, then you don't have to, well, you won't have to do returning the lost objects. But now we're back where we started. If you're telling me there's no, the Xayla is not in existence anymore, well, then you also shouldn't have to pay the Karen. So, that's where there is land. Um, the father owned land. And that land, that, that land, that's part of the estate now, should be paid for this debt. He says, why, again, still, even though there's, there's land that they're inheriting from their father, and you should be using that land to pay back all these debts, including from what he stole, whether it's in existence or not. However, it's just a milve al It's It's all oral. And you never, the orphans and the kuchos never have to pay for an oral loan. It's all oral because they've said they, that's based on their admission that they have to pay. So it's all oral. There's no star or anything. And uh, Yoshim should not have to pay that. So only they answered, no, but Shahamad the din. That's where he was already sued in din. And the father was sued in court, and the court ordered him to pay. The court's order to pay is like a star. It's well publicized, it's well verified, there probably is a star, at least at some point they're going to write a star that he owes the money. So a standing court order is um, as if it's a milvery star. Oh, Well, now we're back to where we started. If you're telling us that they had to pay the money from their father's estate, and he took the son, took a shvur that he doesn't owe the money, and now he admits that he does, he should have to pay a choymesh. So why so Omar Avuna Braider of Yeshua, the Fisha Ain Meshalmin Khoimesh al Kfiras Shibut Karkos. He says, No, it's because you don't pay a Khoimesh on denying where you have to pay from land. There's a halacha that um, again what's it, what's making the son liable to pay this debt is that he has land he inherited from his father. 
So it's really the land, it's kind of the land that he owes, and you don't take a shvua because of land. So halacha learned out about shvuas, you don't take a shvua regarding land. And therefore, in a way, his shvua that he doesn't owe this land to the person his father stole from, is actually not a valid shvua. Yeah. That's the, that's, the, that's the way of learning. Okay, now, so that's one answer. Rava Omar, Rava says, now Rava's jumping back a little bit. This will be a good, uh, a little bit of a good chazor of the last point. So we said that the case is where the son took a shvur regarding his father's theft. And the Gemara then asked, well then, why doesn't the son pay a chaymesh? And we, we answered, our initial answer was because the theft is not in existence. And therefore it's only from the land. And then we got into a whole discussion. Oh, well, and land you don't take a shvur on. So it doesn't count as a shvur. Rava says... Actually, you can even be discussing where the theft is in existence. Says but what's the case here? It's where there was a wallet or a money pouch of his father's in the hands of someone else. Karen that he has to pay, and it seems that that's part. I think that's saying that the theft is this. This, uh, this uh, sack, this briefcase full of money that someone's holding on to for his father, I think that's the theft. And therefore, Karen Mishalem, Doho Isya, he has to pay the Karen because the actual item that was stolen is still in existence. But he doesn't have to pay the fifth. But he doesn't have to pay a fifth on his shvua. Why? Because when he took the shvur, he was taking a truthful shvur because he did not know. Again, they were going through their father, they went through their father's property. He saw what his father had and didn't have. And then he took so they came to him and said, You know, your father stole from me, can you give me back the cash? And he takes a shvur that his father didn't owe the money. Now that's a good from the son's perspective, it's a good shvur. He doesn't know about any money that his father owned. All of a sudden, a week later, or however long later, he finds out that there's a guy who's got a briefcase full of cash from his father. So now, when he, again, that shvur is not going to obligate him in a fifth, because when he took the shvur, he wasn't lying. He was being honest. Very, I mean, in my mind, it's a fascinating idea. He's taking a false shvur, but it's an honest false shvur. Um, again, it's uh, to the best. He's almost, I don't know if he's allowed to phrase it like this, but he's almost saying, to the, the best, best of my knowledge, um, my father doesn't, uh, I don't have my father, I don't have the that my father took from you. And uh, then comes out that actually he does, because there's a guy holding on to it for, for his father, for him. And there's no choymesh on that shore. Okay, now we go on to the next point of the mission of Chutzmi, Pacha, Shove, Pruta, Bakarin, etc. We said that this that a person has to chase the... He stole from someone and he took a false shua and he now has to chase into Timbaktu or Modai to get to be able to return the money to fulfill his obligation. That's only where there's a... At least a putter in the karen, in the principal amount that was stolen. If it's not a putter, then he doesn't have to pursue the person to return it. So... Now, Rav Popper is based on the following concern. The, we know that if someone takes a false shvur, so he has to pay back the karen, the chomesh, and the osham, and then bring a korban osham. He only brings the korban osham once he's paid back the karen. Now we're going to discuss a scenario where he might get it the wrong way around. And if you offer the korban osham without having paid the karen, well then it's an no, invalid no. korban osham. So you'd have to do it again. And... Uh, you. And, and I guess more on a retroactively on a stricter point, you've actually brought a non-sacred animal to the Beis Hamikdash because it can only be a osham if you need to bring it. Okay, so let's see. So Amar Papa Lo Shana Elisha Eng Zayla Kayemes. This is only where the Zayla is not in existence. Aval Zayla Kayemes Sorich Leilech Achrov. But if they, the atom is in existence, he has to run after him. We worry that the object will go up in value. Right, so he has this item, I don't know, he stole a small pouch, or I don't know, he stole something small, less than a pruta. Now there's no obligation to return a pruta, so he doesn't have to pursue the guy to return him. Rav Pop is saying no, but this that he doesn't have to pursue him is where the item is still in existence, because we won't, maybe the item will become more valuable, 
and then it will equal a pruta and he will have to return it. And it will turn out retroactively that his whole, that his osham that he offered because he didn't have to return it is invalid. Ikid de Omri, they're those that say, Omar Papa, totally different way that they understood Rapopa. Loishana el exhala kayemes. This is only when exhala is in existence. Veloishna sha'eng zela kayemes, ain't sorry, lelech. Sorry, Loshna Xala Kayemis, but Loshna Shang Zala Kayemis. It makes no difference whether the Xala is in existence or not. Because we don't he doesn't have to worry that it will become more valuable. So he has this item lesson as Shabbat Pruta. He does not so he wants to bring his carbon Hashem. He has no mitzvah to return it. There's no mitzvah to return something less than a Shabbat Pruta. And uh and now, Rav Popper's version is that he can bring his carbon ashram because he doesn't have to worry that my birth will go up in value. Now, interesting, there's an interesting discussion here. He says, so what happens if it does go up in value? According to the Rashba, well, then, yeah, retroactively, his carbon was, in, was invalid and he'd have to bring a new one. According to the Rosh, he says, it can't be. It can't be that they're going to let you bring a carbon that there's a chance that it's going to become invalid. So it must mean that if you did bring the korban, it's valid. Why? Because at the time that you offered the korban, there was no mitzvah to return it because it was less than a pruta, so your korban's a valid korban. And even though now that the item's gone up in value and you are obligated to return it, it doesn't negate the fact that you brought the korban when there was no obligation to return it. Um, and then there was another layer. Um, okay, let's carry on. So all my rover... What happens if he stole three bundles of something and, they were, and it was worth three prutas? So each bundle was worth a pruta. And they decreased in value and now they're only worth two. So if he returns the two, he's still obligated to return the third. And just again, the point here is this third, is this third one worth a pruta? No, it's worth two thirds of a pruta. So you shouldn't have to repeat what we say. Acheres is obligated to return him the other one. It says, And this is similar to what we learned in the Mishnah. If he stole chomets and then it's after Pesach. So now what you're sitting there with a bottle of whiskey that is forbidden for Hano. You can go to him and say, here's what I stole. It says, This is all when it's in existence. The reason is, if it's not in existence anymore, well then even though it's nothing, again what you stole him, since at first it was money, Boy, Shluma, you have to return it. So, Hachanami, we want to take that principle. Again, you stole a bottle of blue label. It was worth um, it, it was worth something. Now, after Pesach, it's worth nothing. Nevertheless, you still have to pay back the amount you stole if it's no longer in existence. So he wants to say the same thing. Even though now this item's not worth the pruta, the sponge, since at the time that you stole it, it was worth a pruta, you have to return it. So that's the that's the that's an interesting application of the saloch of uh, what's it of chomach avalava pesach stolen chomach avalava pesach you can say Rachel chalufa necho what happens if you can't there is still the mitzvah of returning based on its original value so boy rover rover asked gazel stay agudos bepruta vehechzilo achas mehem mahu if he stole two bunches. And they were worth a pruta. And he returned one of them. What's the halacha? Do we say, well, there's nothing, you can't say that he has anything that's stolen, I that he should have to return it, because it's less than a pruta what he has. Or perhaps, or at the end of the day, he has an item that he stole, 
that is by him. I since he stole a shove pruta, he is liable in the prince in the, in Hashavas in returning the stolen item, and until he's given back a full pruta, he hasn't finished his mitzvah. So he still has to return it. So Hara Pashte then Rova answered, Gazela Enkan Hashova Enkan. There's no theft and there's no returning. What does that mean? He's still hard to return. How can it be that he's not? Ha- there's no theft by him because there's an abruta, but he hasn't returned it. I there's still an obligation to return it. Those are contradictory statements. So he says no. What he's saying is, even though there's no theft, he there is. Um, sorry, I, I jumped the line. I went back. So, if you're telling me there's no nothing stolen, how can you say that he's obligated to return it? So, I know this is what Robert was saying. Even though there's no exile by him, there's nothing. You can't say that what he stole exists still because it's less than a pruta. He can't fulfill the mitzvah of Hashava. I, what does this mean? So the Rosh explains. Um, let me just jump quickly. The Rosh explains as follows. He says, There's no gzela. I based it won't force him to pay because there is not a shove pruta. Okay, then he goes on a side point. He says, so what happens if Beisdin come to him and say, you stole, we expect you to pay back. Are Beisdin only going to force him on the one, or are they going to force him on both of them? She says, obviously, when they come to force him to pay, they're going to force him to pay back both, what he stole, which is equal to a pruta. It's only in this case where he voluntarily paid back one of them, and now he's left with less than a shove pruta. Um, but then it says... Um, yeah, and he brings a Gemara that proves that Huskuku based in a Shove Pruta, once based in a got involved for a Shove Pruta, Goimrim Afba Pachos Mi Shove Pruta, they're going to finish the matter even on less than a Shove Pruta. Elo Hashto de Herzir Achas Mitato, Zayla Einkon. Now that this guy has returned one bunch, I, you can't say that the Zayla is by him. What does it mean? The Ain based in his Gokim La Pachos Mi Shove Pruta. But so Beisdin are not going to get involved in a Shove Pruta. Mitzvahs Hashove Ein Kan. There's no mitzvah for him to return it. What does that mean? He hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah. Umay Atzmo Chayav Lahazir Lekai Mitzvahs Hashove. Ein Beisdin is taught Nivkoking Lekoifo. Nivkoking Lekoifo. I Beisdin aren't obligated to. Beisdin won't force him to pay that less than a Shove Pruta. However, he's still liable, Midinei That's what it means, Gzela Enkan. There's no Gzela that Beisdin can force him to pay. Ava Hashova Enkan, he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah Hashova. Od Peirush Akal Pisha Gzela Enkan. Yeah, okay, so that is the... Uh, that's the teaching of Robert. Very interestingly, again, that you've, you, there's no almost tangible obligation to return. Beisdin can't force him to pay, but he still has this mitzvah to return. He hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah of Hashavah and therefore he should go do it by himself. Now, once we mentioned one of these principles of, you know, You've done part of the mitzvah and there's no further way to do the rest of the mitzvah. Have you fulfilled your obligation? We're going to ask an, uh, two other cases which have a similar underlying logic. It says, A nozer who shaved but he left over two hairs has not done anything. He hasn't completed his mitzvah. Remember, a nozer at the end has to shave off all his hair. If he leaves over two hairs, he's done nothing. So boy, Rava, Rava asked, what happens if he shaved off one of those hairs and one of them fell out? Okay, so he had the mitzvah to shave his hair because he had two hairs left, but he had a mitzvah to shave his hair. 
But, but now he didn't he didn't do that mitzvah and now he's stuck because the, the second hair fell out. So Amalai Ravakami Divti Ravina Nazi Shigliach Achas Achas Komi Boyle Rava. Wait, Rava can't. This doesn't make sense. A Nazi who shaves his hair one hair at a time. Obviously he fills his mitzvah. So he goes one hair, one hair, one hair, one hair till all his hairs are done. Not a not the most productive way, but it's a valid way. Even at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's going to be left with two hairs and he's going to shave one and have one hair. So here, you can't say that he hasn't fulfilled the mitzvah. The case is where one was left and then he shaved. The second shaving on one hair is not considered a shaving. It's only a nozir shaving is only when he shaves two hairs. So Miyomrin and Hashdemir's for Lake Shield. Do we say now there's no shield, there's not two hairs, so he doesn't have to shave? Or maybe we say he didn't there's no he didn't fulfill shaving because they aren't two hairs. And now that he comes to shave. Sorry, um Jumping lines. The Megar Mishayer states the Oras, but has to keep glare, law have a base the Oras. There's no turn. A Nazi to fulfill his obligation has to have it to shave. The same way you can't have a Nazi to have it to shave. Well, you can have a Nazi today, but you can't get out of it because there's no Korban. That's a big difference. So he can't shave. So so I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, let's just finish. So at the moment we're, discuss- we're, we're stuck. Does he, he seem he had the mitzvah to shave because he had two hairs? So do we say, well, now there's no mitzvah because there's only one hair and therefore he doesn't have to worry? Or do we say he had a mitzvah to shave and he hasn't shaved so he can't, and he can't shave so he hasn't fulfilled his mitzvah? So that's so hara pashte seyar ein kan giloach ein kan. So he answered, no, there's no hair, there's no shaving. But if you're telling me there's no hair, well, then he's fulfilled shaving. So what do you mean he hasn't shaved? There's, he hasn't. So no, this is what Robert's saying. Even though there's even though there's no hair, he hasn't fulfilled his mitzvah of giloach. So he can be a Nazir, he just can't fulfill giloach, at least in this case. I'm just trying to think, here there, here there definitely was a mitzvah to shave. That's the key starting point. There were two hairs, there was a mitzvah to shave. What happens if he's a Nazi who, whatever, had some skin condition, he had absolutely no hair? Um, I'm not sure there. But here he had the mitzvah to shave and he can't fulfill the shave. So Tosos tell us the ramification. It's about the middle of the page. It says, And he's not allowed to drink wine or become Tomele Mesim as if he did not shave. He had a mitzvah to shave and he hasn't fulfilled it yet. So he can't drink wine or, or become Tomele Mesim yet. This is in the opinion that his Giluach is Ma'akev. Until he shaved, he can't do that. Um, then I'm just skipping to the next answer. It's not really a question of can he drink. No. You're right. He can. He's finished his Naziris. He's fulfilled it. He can, but he has not fulfilled his mitzvah. Aye, there's a mitzvah for a Nazir to shake. He hasn't fulfilled that mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to shake Lulav on the first day of Lulav. If you don't, you haven't fulfilled that mitzvah. That's, uh, that would be a more broader ramification. But now the question is... Yeah, you've got to get out of being a Nazir. Yes, well, that's the question. The, the, the not shaving doesn't stop you getting out of being a Nazir. Okay, that's the Mafloikes that's, that's in, in Nazir. Don't you remember? We did... What's that? Okay, yeah. So it's the Mafloikes in Nazir where the... Does he have to shave to get out of his Naziris? Um, but according to the one he does, until we at least saying he hasn't fulfilled his mitzvah. According to the one that he does. Now there's another question, one second. So does he, just before gone, there's a Mahlokas showing him, should he let his hair grow that he has to shave? So that he can fully remember. Anything less than 30 days doesn't count as a growth. That's why when a Nazir becomes Tomei, he has to wait another 30 days for his hair to grow. So here, do we say that he should wait for his, or does he have to wait for his head to grow, that he can fulfill the mitzvah of Giloach? Okay, that's the Mahlokas we're showing him. Let's go on another question, which is along the same lines. 
Um, okay, good. This is a little bit now getting into Tumen Tahara. Basically, the halacha is that um, Tumas Ohel can travel from the bottom floor, I'm just saying the bottom floor to the top floor doesn't really make a difference, um, through a Aruba skylight, a hole in the roof. It can travel from this floor to the top floor through a hole in the roof, the Tumas Ohel. If there's a mace in the bottom, it will spread even to the top floor. Now, if you block that hole with something that cannot become tome, it's a good block, it's good machitza, and the tumor won't go. Now, we know earthenware can't become tome from the outside. It can only become tome from the inside. But if the earthenware has a hole in, so if you would, let's say, take this earthenware and put it bottom in the hole, so that now the tumor is coming up and it's stuck because it can't get in the earthenware, well, it's an earthenware sealed, the tumor can't get in, then it will work as a plug for the tumor not to go from the bottom floor to the top floor. However, if there's a hole in the earthenware, not going to discuss what size, but if there's a hole in the earthenware that the tumor can get in, get inside, well, then the earthenware is susceptible to tumor and it doesn't work as a block between the two stories. Um, pardon? So that's the that's the point we're dealing with now. Yeah, important note also for the for the the, the whole the skylight in the roof has to be at least a tefach by tefach. If it's half a tefach or something, then the tumor doesn't go through. So we must be speaking about a hole that's a tefach by tefach, and now you're blocking it with this earthenware vessel. So the Gemara asked, They said, If you had a barrel that had a hole, and if the hole got blocked up by the sediment inside of it, it can save the top floor from becoming tome. So it did have a hole, but the, it got clogged up the hole. So that's good. It's no longer considered a hole. Boy, Robert, however, Robert asked, Agav Yamahu, what would be the halach if you plugged up half the hole? I now, the hole in the earthenware is not, it was big enough and you were supposed to block it fully, but you only blocked half of it. So now it's not big enough. So Omalei Rav Yehimel Rav Ashi, Rav Yehimel said to Rav Ashi, Lav Mishnah, Sainuhi, is this not the same as a, as a Mishnah, the Tanan, as we learned in a Mishnah? If you have a barrel which had a hole in it and it got blocked up by the sediment, it saves from Tumah, Pokakob, Bismoira, Ajemarech. If you block it with vines, you have to plaster it. It's not good enough to just put vines in the hole, you would have to plaster around the vines. says, And what happens if there were two vines? You obviously have to plaster around the sides of the vines. And between the two vines. Now, Now, we see that it's only if you plaster around the vines, or you make a complete plaque, that it counts as blocking from Tuma, if not it doesn't count. Am I? Why? It should be as if he blocked up half the hole. Again, if you put two vines in and there's a little bit of space around them, it should be as if you blocked half the thing. And therefore, what do we see? We've answered Rob's question. Rob asked, if you have a hole in this earthenware that you want to use to save from the Tuma going from the bottom to the top, and you, it only works if you completely cover it because you have to put plaster around the vines. If you half cover it, if there's a hole and you partially fill it with vines, it's not if good the enough. Vines are tenth up, tenth up and you partially cover it. No, no, we're discussing the hole in the clee. So again, but you partially covered it. So, and the, the hole in the clee doesn't necessarily have to be a tefach by tefach. Um, so he says, says, so Omri Hachi They said, how can you compare the case two cases? So they're not at all comparable because there you're filling it with vines, something that's not going to stay there. The vines are just going to fall out the hole. That's why you have to plaster it in place for it to count as blocking the hole in the clee. However, if it's something that will stand. What happens if you put like pla- uh, putty 
to block up half the hole in the clee. Or more clay to put up to block half the hole of the clee. That's going to stay there. So that's where Rava asked his questions. Where the item is going to stay there, does it count as blocking up the hole of the clee? Because you've only done half the hole or not? Again, very similar to the above questions. What the above questions? Of Nazir and returning a stolen item that now there's less than a putter left to return, where initially you had X amount to do, and now you can't, you only did half of it, how do you view the last half to do? There's another, just once we here, just to mention an interesting question that touches, I think, more around the Nazir than the other cases. I guess I shall, maybe Hashavah Saxayla as well, is that is there a concept of doing half a mitzvah? I, let's say, um, what do you need a shear for? Matzah. You have to eat a kazais of matzah. What happens if there's two of you and there's only one kazais? Or you're sitting at the table and you only have half a kazais? Should you eat the half a kazais? Do you partially fulfill the mitzvah? Or is it as good as nothing if you do half a shear and there's no point? So that's the... Uh, that's a similar question. Yeah, is there a is there a mala in a half a mitzvah? Almost in another or the opposite of is there isur in doing half isur if you eat half a size of isur? Okay, but let's carry on. That's just an interesting question that touches on this stuff. said they said. Now this we mentioned higher up. There's God's all chametz over lava pesach. If he stole chametz and it existed after Pesach. So it had a value before Pesach and now it's not. So you can say to the person you stole from, here's the item I stole from you. Right, so you can you stole his uh, and box of whiskies and now Pesach. It's now worthless, but you can say here's the box of whiskies I stole. So the Gemara says, boy, Rava, Rava asked. And again, when he gets it back, there's nothing he can do with it. It's Chomash Rava, Rava, Pesach. But that's, uh, so then the Gemara says, boy, Rava, Rava asked, Nishba Olov. If he took a shwer on it, Mahu, what's the halacha? Now Rashi learns specifically, we'll see why a bit later, does he have to bring a Korban Asham? Is why me omrin and kivain de e migdav by shlomo. Do we say if this bottle of whiskey was stolen from the thief, he would have to pay? When it says if he denied something of monetary value, or deal mahashta mias or monach at the moment it's in front of him, and it's considered and it's as good as ash, as dust, and therefore it is not. Well, yeah, but the point is, yeah. So the question is, um, the shvur now. Remember, when you take a shvur to the money at your high of Karen Chaimesh for Ashom, the point to Ashom, yeah, that's the Chaimesh and the Ashom, the carbon Ashom. That's where you took a shvur that the shvur saves you money. I, you come to me and you say you stole from me, you owe me a thousand rand or you owe me my bicycle whatever it is or you come to me and say I lent you I asked you to watch my phone please give it back and I say I take a shvur it was stolen or I take a shvur you never gave whatever the shvur is but that shvur is saving me money because if I didn't take the shvur I would have to give it to you what about if the shvur is saving you a potential money like here you come to me and you say you stole you stole my box of whiskey. And I take a sure that I did not steal the box of whiskey. Now, now I'm not saving you any money. Sorry, that sure is not saving me any money now. Because firstly, that box of whiskey is worthless, so it's not like I'm getting to keep something of value. And secondly, if I decide to admit and do tshuva, I just give you the box of whiskey. So this, so this shvur hasn't saved me, hasn't gained me anything. However, however, it potentially saves me something because if anything happens to that box of whiskey, I'm going to have to pay you the cash. 
So that's the question here. Again, we have to be discussing something like Chomot Shavarava Pesach, because let's say we're speaking about a normal item that you can use. So let's say you actually stole, I don't know, my cell phone or, my, or whiskey. That wasn't forbidden. When you take a shvur denying it, or when one takes a shvur denying it, they get to keep that item. So they have an instant use for it. So they are saving, they are gaining financially. Again, even though I, you ask me to watch your cell phone and I watch it and then I take a shvur that I don't have it, it was stolen. And now I'm... Pardon, but it's in my pocket. And then I say, okay, here, and I've decided to do tshuva, I just give you my cell phone. So from the return of the cell phone aspect, I haven't saved you money. But I get to use the cell phone. So I have gained money from my shua. That's the... But chomet pesach, I haven't gained anything when I take the shua. There's nothing I can do with that chomet anyway. So, and if I do have to return it, then I just give it back to you. But it's saving me a potential. That's the whole, if I understand it, that's the whole discussion that we're going to go into now. Again, is this potential money. Does that, do we say that counts as saving you money, and therefore you would have to bring a korban ashram? Or do we say that that is not saving you money, and you would not have to bring a korban ashram? Again, at, at, at the moment and in the current reality, you're not gaining anything from Yeshua, but it could be, it could potentially save you. It could, you could potentially gain financially from the Yeshua. So, Milsidi Boile Lerava, this, that was a question to Rabba Pshutale Lerava, was a big question according to Rabba. Was, sorry, was obvious according to Rabba. To Omar Rabba, Rabba said, Shurei Shori Gonavti. He says, You stole my ox. And the guy says, I did not steal it. Oh, my tibot, so what are you doing? It's in your garden, it's right there, what are you doing with my ox? So, I'm a shoymerchina. You asked me to watch it. You're coming and suing me for stealing your ox. It's, it's, oh, it's, I did not steal it. So, what's it doing in your garden? You asked, you asked me to watch it for you. So he says, so, he says, Chayev, he's still Chayev. Again, in the Kuntirashi, this is the carbon Oshom. Why? Because potentially he exempted himself from Geneva and Aveda from if something happened to it. Again, if he's a thief and the ox is stolen from him. So you're, if one steals something and it gets stolen from him, he has to pay back the full amount. A thief is completely liable for everything. However, this shfua now, that he's a shoymer chinam, again, now it hasn't saved him anything, because he just, as a shoymer chinam, whether he's a thief or a shoymer chinam, he's going to give this ox back. But what happens if something happens to that ox? As a shoymer chinam, he's exempt. So do you see, again, it's this question of, the shfua doesn't help him now, but it potentially saves him money. And that's what we're going to say the same. So, he says, so that's when, again, he takes his shvur that he's a shomachinam. Anyway, he's going to have to give the ox back. So he hasn't saved him from now. But potentially, if something happens to the ox before he gives it back, as a thief, he'd be completely liable. As a shomachinam, he would be exempt. So his shvur is saving him a potential. And Rabbi says, Chayef. And so to Shomachinam, if he says, I take a shvur, Olof. He says, I'm, I was a shomachinam. You paid me to watch it. Chayef. He's still Chayef for his false shvur. Shaharei Potter because he's ex- he's liable. Oh, sorry, this shvur would exempt him if it was shvur from oines. Shal ani olav. What happens if he says I didn't steal it? I borrowed it from you. You get, you lent it to me. He's still exempt because if it dies while working, he would be exempt. Whereas a thief, he would be chayav. Sorry. So sorry, not potu if he would be let's say Rabbi learns in all those cases. He's liable. Even though the item is standing in front of us. I and he admitted it, that it's not his. So he's not currently gaining anything from the Shur. So since if it was stolen, he would be denying money. We view it now as if he's denying money. And hachanami afal gav And this is even though it is like ash, uh, dust. Since if it would be stolen from him, he would have to pay real money. We view it now as if he has denied money.
Okay, so that's the uh, that's rubber. Rabba learns very clearly that future saving you a future potential monetary thing is considered a shvua, a false shvua, a shvua sapikoton that you'd have to pay. There's just an interesting discussion in Shoin, I'm not going to go into now, but I'll just mention it. Is So we know that if you stole, you can say, like that If you took a shvua, can you still say, or is it, or maybe by a shvua, Remember, we saw there's a special mitzvah shvua to make sure he gets the money. So maybe by having taken a false shvua, you now can't say a racial cholaponecha. That's a, okay. That's a question in the shonim. Let's carry on. Yosef Rabba. They all they they correct. Yes. Oh, so so that's what I was saying. That Rashi here clearly learns it's an asham. Just trying to remember. No, let's not go into detail now. We're running very late. Um, but Rashi learns it's clearly an Asham. There's a question. I'll tell you why he learns it an Asham. Because the Karen, okay, as I just mentioned. What about the Chomesh? See, on the one hand, when you take a Shvua, this box of whiskey that's Chomesh over of a Pesach, or that you asked me to watch for you, you haven't, you haven't saved any money now. So the value, so well, so we're saying since you will be saving a value, it's a shvuas, it's a, it's a false shvuah, shvuah sapikoran, and you have to pay, bring a common asha. But on the chomish, by the chomish case, what's the chomish worth at the moment? Chomish, let, let's just discuss chomish all of our pesach. What's the chomish worth? Zero. So when you take a shvuah denying the money, how much? What's the chomish? It's a chomish on zero, which is zero. So that's why some learned you're not liable to the Chomesh. And only that's why we're emphasizing the Oshem. And that's what Rashi, Rashi says, Oshem, um, at least at the beginning he say, of the Sugya, he says Oshem. Others say, no, you view the value that it would be saving. That vo- box of whiskey is worth X. And we're saying potentially it is worth X to you because if it gets stolen, you're going to have to pay in the full amount. So therefore that would be the value and the Chomesh would be on that. Okay, let's see the next point. So Yosef Rabba Vakamalahoshmaisa. Rabba was giving over the Suya. Isibai Rav Amram the Rabba Rav Amram challenged Rabbi. He says, It's where he denied Protlamoida Baikar, that's that's excluding where he admitted to the essential claim. I basically what does it mean that admitted to the essential claim? Is again this guy comes to you and says, um, you stole from me. And he's like, I didn't steal it from you. I'm just watching it for you. Or you borrowed money from me. Or you, you stole it from me. He says, no, I borrowed it. Whatever the exact case is, you're admitting to, you're denying being a thief, but you're admitting to the essence that you're going to give this item back. I admit. That's, that's the general gist of moideb ikar. At essence, he admits that he has to give it back. Now, Kate said, what are examples? Let's not get too caught up in the examples just because the Gemara is going to analyze the difficult ones, but you'll get the idea. Show you Ganavta for who are You stole my ox. He says, no, I didn't. Oh, my Tivosrocha, so then why is it in your garden? He says, you sold it to me. You gave it to me as a gift. Oh, well, I mean, in all those cases, you actually get to keep it, so that's a bit different. But your father sold it to me. Your father gave it to me as a gift. Now, for us, he says, Achar parasi rats. Your ox just ran after my ma'elov. It just ran into my garden by itself, chasing my cow. That's why your ox is in my garden. Um, sorry, achar parasi rats. It was running after my cow. Ma'elov poetry. It wandered into my garden. Toebederek motzasiv. It's in my garden because I found it wandering around the streets. Shomer chinam aniyolov. Um, you asked me to watch it for me for free. Shomer Sachar Aniolov, you asked me to watch it, to, you paid me to watch it for you. Shol Aniolov, you asked me, I borrowed it from you. Venishba, and then he took a false, and he, and he took a shvur regarding this. So again, the person accused him of theft, and he, had, and he brought one of the above claims to say that he's not a thief. He says, and then he admits, should he be chayev? Again, the Karen Chomesh for Ash, the Chomesh for Ashom, or at least the Ashom. 
says Talmud It's where he denied it, which excludes where he admitted to the essential claim. I, this price clearly seems to teach that if you admit that you need to give the item back, even though you're denying being a thief, you, you get off the asham. Samalei Tadura. Rama said to him, you fool. Tadura sounds quite harsh. Uh, you fool. Ki tanya hi de ka'amalei heilech. Where that b'risa was taught is where he said, take it. Ki ka'amina. Where I said, ma'alocha de ka'ima ba'agam. Where he's standing in a valley. Aye, what's the difference? Where he says, take it now. Aye, the guy comes to me and says, what's your ox doing? That's my ox, you stole it. What's it doing in my garden? And you say, I swear I didn't steal it. You, I borrowed it from you. Take it. Or I swear I didn't steal it. You asked me to watch it. Take it. That's the halo. Take it now. So where he says that, he has no chance of gaining from his false shua. He's never ever going to gain from his false shua. However, when the ox is out in the agam, you're like, okay, you're right, I borrowed it from you, or I'm a shomer for you, but it's going to take a week to go and get it back or whatever, well, then there is a chance for him to benefit from Yeshua, because if something happens to it, and that's what we're discussing, there's the future potential, that's where he will be chayev. So that's the distinction Rav makes. Then we, now we're just going to analyze some of those claims. Again, someone says to you, you stole my ox, and you say, no... I did not. He says, what's it doing in your garden? You say, you stole, you sold it to me. He says, my Moedabeka. How's this admitting to the essential claim? This is completely denying it. Again, admitting to the essential claim is, I'm not a thief, but it's still your ox I borrowed it. That's where you admit that you have to give the ox back to you, admitting to the essential claim. But this isn't. You say you sold it. He says, no. He says, you sold it to me, and you're right, I haven't had a chance to pay you. So you know what? Take it. I, I didn't steal it. It's with me because I bought it from you, but I haven't paid. Okay, so take it back. Or the case where your father gave it to me, or you gave it to me. My Again, that's not admitting to the essential claim. That's denying the claim. You're saying you have a right to keep it. No, it says, It says, no, you gave it to me. Your father gave it to me. And I admit it was on condition that I do a certain favor for you. I haven't got round to it. Okay, take your ox back. So that's why it's I found it wandering around. It says, you should say he needs to return it to me. So he says, no, it's where he says, he takes a shvur that he, I found this lost object and I wanted to return it. But I didn't know it was yours that I could return it. I am not keeping it from you. It's not that I found it and I'm keeping it from you. I want to return it. I just haven't been able to until now that I know it's yours. Okay, I was hoping to get a little bit further at least, but I think let's leave it here for today.